Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Get Your Pickle Out podcast and show. And today we're on episode 11. I can't believe this is the 11th time I've sat in this booth and recorded this podcast. We've gone through a lot of changes since then. And, you know, it's great to see how much the podcast has developed. And I do want to take it even further into the future. I'm just not sure what to do with it right now. Listen, if there's any suggestions, let me know. If you want to hear more brand stories, if you want to hear, you know, more video game news, if you want to hear more reviews, then let me know. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep doing my own thing. Now, today's episode, we're going to be saying goodbye to PlayStation 4. PlayStation 4 has been an absolute pivotal part of this current generation of gaming. PlayStation's consoles, they've always done particularly well, ever since the PlayStation 1, which was co-built by Nintendo, if you didn't know. The PlayStation 1 capitalised on a different market than what Nintendo were going for. 3D gaming was at its highest, and Sony introduced this brand new game console into the world, which changed gaming forever. Ultimately, has led into some of the most impressive game consoles ever made. Now, we're going to look at the PlayStation 4 and see if it lives up to that hype, or whether it was a crashing disaster. But... You know, if you've been on this channel a few times before, if you've listened to me, you'll know that I respect PlayStation, I respect Sony for what they do, but it's not my favourite. But I've got some things that you might be interested to hear. I've always been a massive Nintendo fanboy since the Xbox 360, which is when I kind of started to die off Nintendo a little bit. Since I got my Xbox 360, I've always had the latest Xbox console, so I'm sure... You're all going to be pleasantly surprised by my thoughts today on the PlayStation 4 as we wave it off and say hello to the new and much more powerful PlayStation 5. But let's jump into a bit of a brand pickle update. I've had a great week. I've had a lovely week. It's been long. It has been quite stressful. But, and I probably say this more often than not, but I want to change my content. I want to change what I'm currently putting out there. You know, I've already, I constantly am trying to make changes to make my content the best it can be. You might have not realised this, but I'm pretty sure you have. I'm very, very passionate about what I put out into the world. And I want it to be the absolute best reflection of me, myself as a person. And I want it to be good. I want it to be fun to watch. Now, one thing I am going to stop is the um, brand pickle videos on YouTube with the pickle open. Now... To put it into perspective, they take me about six hours to prepare. They take me about six hours to make. And I've been following the engagement on those videos. Now, there's only really... The videos are about 50 minutes long. They're about an hour's long, which is it's a big commitment. It's a f- absolute huge commitment to sit and watch something for that amount of time. And I, I completely get that. Now, when I was looking at the the times in which people were watching, it was looking at about three, four minute mark. Now, as you can imagine, that's not very much of the video. And I think there's a better reflection of the tournament and there's a better reflection of myself and my Call of Duty content than what I am currently putting out on that YouTube channel. I'm not sure what yet. I'm not sure what it is. You know... I want to get a bit of comedy in there. I want to do something a bit of fun. But I'm just going to have a bit of a play with it. You know, I absolutely love filming the podcast. And I get a lot of great guys coming to listen to the podcast. And we get a lot of 
engagement on the podcast, which is really, really great. It's awesome. I love it. But those Saturday videos are taking me so much amount of time that I could be investing in other, you know, even in other content or even just having five minutes to myself. Well, five minutes, an hour. I could even have an hour to myself that I want to make it that little bit better. So I am going to be stopping the pickle tournaments on the YouTube channel. If you do want to watch the pickle tournaments, though, you're still more than welcome to tune in live on a Sunday night. Or I normally delete them from my Twitch, but I am going to keep the VODs on my Twitch from now on. Um, so if you are a subscriber to my channel, you do have access to those VODs. So you can jump in and re-watch the pickle opens back over on my Twitch channel twitch.tv forward slash brand pickle when i'm offline you can go and jump into the vods and watch them back so if you do enjoy the pickle opens and you enjoy watching the content and you miss it for whatever reason you can't make it live showing on sunday feel free to jump back in and watch those vods back which leads us in very nicely to the next section of today's podcast can you guess it's time for an update on the pickle open now we are back with another private match pickle open. We had lots of new faces. We had lots of different players, which was great to see. But if I had to describe this week's tournament in one word, it would be very, very simple. And that one word would be absolute... Well, that's one word already. If I had to describe it in two words, it would be absolute shambles. If I had to describe it in one word, it would probably be shambles. It did not go well. There's there's a big problem with these private matches right now, which is there's not enough flexibility for the host to, you know, dictate rules, that kind of thing. And the 50 players you need to start a full-sized Battle Royale is quite large. It got to the stage where we had to get fillers in to just fill spaces to then allow the teams to drop into a, a full-sized map. It was a lot of fun. We had a lot of problems with teams dropping out halfway through. We had connection issues. And about three rounds in, I decided to call it a day. I said, this is it. We're done. We're done. It took us about three hours to get through the three games. Now, if you have ever played Warzone, a, a game is about 20 minutes long. So as you can imagine, there was a lot of waiting around time. And it just wasn't worth it for everyone involved. So I called it. And I gave whoever was the winner at that point, I gave them the money. Boom, done. Forget about it. And with that is the announcement of I'm going to be taking a break from the Warzone tournaments for a little bit. The enjoyment and the fun has gone from it for me. And for me, I'm not making enough money. I'm not, well, I'm not really making any money from doing these tournaments. And I'm not, I'm not big enough full-time content creator to have to do things that I don't enjoy. And right now, I'm not enjoying doing Warzone tournaments anymore. There's more fun things out there. The Warzone tournaments are very, very stressful to do. To give you a bit of an idea of what I actually have to do. So obviously, I have to get it advertised first. I have to advertise it all week. And I have to start compiling the teams. I have to think of the rule set. I have to obviously, and I know that's simple, but might sound easy, but it's actually more complicated than you think. I have to think of ways to engage a variety of players and make sure that I get numbers as well. I have to make sure that this is going to be a fun tournament and it's not going to be hammered with rules, but I have to have enough rules that it's fun, fair, 
and consistent. Once I've taken all that into account, I will make a poster and I'll start to advertise it. I'll let everyone in different channels know. Uh, I promote it through Discord pages. I promote it through my own personal Twitter. I promote it through Facebook, that kind of thing. And I start to compile the teams together. Get to Sunday, the day of the actual pickle open. At this point, I'll probably have about eight teams. I then have to spend my entire day messaging people. They will ask so many questions. Same questions over and over again. Questions that were on the poster. And this isn't me moaning. I know when people want to know something that they will, they'll, they'll want to know there and then on the spot. I get, obviously, I put 100% of the money towards the winners. And because of that, people are always, oh, how many teams? How many teams? What's the prize pull up? How, what, what are we going to win? What are we going to win? And I get that people want to know these things. You know, they're signing up, they're paying their entry fees. They want to know exactly what they're getting out. But I can't give that information, so I'm constantly replying to people. You know, then we get the new teams, and they want to know the rules. They want to know what to expect, that kind of thing. And I have to try and keep everyone happy. It pretty much takes up my entire day on a Sunday. Which kind of adds into the, what I was saying before about editing my YouTube video for the uh, Pickle Open and how much time it takes. I want to I wanna branch into something different. I want to move away from just being Warzone tournament brand. And I want to do different tournaments. I want a place where people know that they can come and take part in whatever tournament it's there. Know they're going to get a great experience. And know, you know what? It might even enhance the fun that they have with the game. And with that comes the announcement of a Search and Destroy tournament. We've done them in the past. The Pickle Open, the first ever branded Pickle Open, was in fact a Search and Destroy tournament. And it's back, baby. Search and Destroy tournaments are back. And I am thriving for this one. I'm going to put all of my eggs into a basket and make this Search and Destroy tournament better than anyone has ever seen. It's going to be fun. Obviously, at the minute, there is no CDL rules. But I think I'm going to implement a couple different CDL-style rules. Again, to make it fair, to keep it consistent, and to make sure all the players are having fun. That's going to be this Friday. Then, on Sunday, I am taking a massive risk with this one. On Call of Duty Cold War, there is a highly popular game called The Zombies Game. I'm going to be hosting what I think could be the first ever Zombies Tournament. That's right, a Zombies Tournament. But I've been putting a lot of thought into it, and the rules are going to follow. And I think a lot of people are going to be pleasantly surprised with how fun this is actually going to be. It's kind of a tactical game. Zombies can be quite grindy. But the way that I'm planning it, I think it's going to be very, very different and what people aren't expecting. You know, most people will expect me to kind of do a, oh, most kills, or whoever gets the furthest. No, 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 this is going to be very, very different. But you're going to have to wait and see for that one. Might even make a YouTube video of it. We'll have to see. Oh, that's enough of the pickle open. Bran! 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 What have you been playing this week, man? Let me tell you, podcast. This week, it's been an absolute grind on Call of Duty. But let's forget that. I've been playing The Legend of Zelda. That's right, we're back with The Legend of Zelda High Rule Warriors. 
Now let me tell you all about this game. It kind of... The one way that I will describe this game, it has very much been Nintendo this year all over. Nintendo have had a very lacklustre year. I think they've struggled with COVID, and the way that Nintendo does business has really not been complemented by the current COVID pandemic. Nintendo have always promoted their games in a very different means than other video game companies. Now, a lot of other video game companies... They don't really promote their own games. They do a trailer, put it online, boom, Bob's your uncle, clap your hands, jobs are good. In. But not Nintendo. Nintendo have been very well known to do these things called the Nintendo Direct. Now what the Nintendo Direct is, it's essentially a showcase of everything that Nintendo is going to be putting out over the next few months. You know, even years. And they have trailers, they have gameplay, they have surprises, and you know... It kind of keeps all of the announcements in a nice, neatly tacked, tacked, packed package. This neat package is like a burst of excitement for Nintendo fans. If you go on Twitter and you type in Nintendo Direct, so many people are hyped up for the next one, asking when's the next Direct, when's the next Direct, is there going to be a Nintendo Direct, rumours for the next Nintendo Direct... It's like getting it's like getting up on Christmas morning, walking down the stairs and opening a present. You never know what's actually gonna be in that present. And boy, do Nintendo fanboys love, love hyping up the Nintendo Directs. They they put everything into the sun. They put new Smash characters, Halo's gonna be in Smash, uh Doom 4 exclusive to Switch, Star Fox, Switch. F-Zero, a game franchise that hasn't been around since the SNES on Switch. And they're constantly hyping themselves up for these next big games. And it always comes a little bit lackluster. I've learned over the years to expect new games, you know. Expect maybe a surprise or two. And Nintendo have always done surprise games, you know, like the Mario vs. Rabbids game. The latest Hyrule Warriors, which we will get to in a minute. And they always do throw those nice little surprises out there. Breath of the Wild 2 was a massive, massive surprise when that was announced. And Nintendo will always do that. But to expect a surprise of a certain calibre is it's quite a big ask. To think, you know what? Nintendo are definitely going to announce Pikmin 4 and Pikmin 5. It's just too much to ask. It's too much to expect a video game company to do that exact thing that you want. You're going to naturally be disappointed. So it doesn't really surprise me Nintendo fans get disappointed quite a lot by the Nintendo Direct. But this year, there has been a lack of them. Now, I think we had one in January, and that was it. We've had what they've now tagged as the Partners Direct, which is... Ex- ex- Basically, it's third-party companies putting their own games on the Nintendo Switch, and it gives them a chance to show the world what they're getting, which, you know, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. A lot of time, a lot of effort for stuff like that. So, yeah, there has been a lackluster in terms of Direct. There's been a lackluster in terms of Nintendo games. You know, probably the biggest game this year has probably been... Maybe Hyrule Warriors, maybe Mario Sticker Star, Paper Mario. You know what? It's probably Animal Crossing. 
just to let you know, I put about 300 hours into Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing came at quite possibly the best time in human history. The most perfect drop to a game that has ever not been planned. This game came out on the 20th of March 2020. The date, the UK went into national lockdown, complete national lockdown, and people were paid to stay at home. A lot of people wanted to play games, explore different things. Was the 20th of March 2020. The exact same day that Animal Crossing was released. Let's talk about Animal Crossing, actually. Animal Crossing, it's a life simulator. You're in a paradise, you know, you're doing mindless tasks. It's super relaxing. It's super time-consuming. You're designing things. You're planting trees. You're planting flowers. You're researching online how to get the next best flowers. A game like that came at the most perfect time when people were stuck inside with nothing to do. It gave them a chance to explore the world around them. You know, simple things like going and shaking trees, going fishing, bug hunting. That game has been mega successful. And I would love to see the statistics of that game and what happened after lockdown stopped. Because I know for me, I just didn't have enough time to play that game then. I mean, it's coming from a guy who spends a lot of his time playing games. But that kind of game is a serious level of commitment that you don't get in other games. You know, when I was in my height, I was waking up in the morning at 8 o'clock. The first thing, the very first thing I would do was turn on my Switch to go to a, a shop to check what items they had in stock today. You know, and then I'd check my belt, my um, turnip prices. I'd check my flowers. i checked my fruit-bearing trees. Man, I had chores. I had daily jobs in that game that I used to go and do every single day, day in, day out. And you know what? It created a bit of normality for me. And I loved it. Pair that with Call of Duty Warzone, and you had a recipe for a perfect lockdown. That's why I enjoyed the first lockdown so much, man. Second lockdown is a little bit overrated. I'm all about the original, the OG, the original recipe lockdown, some might call it. In a matter of fact, the Nintendo Switch was the best-sold game console during the entire pandemic. That speaks absolute wisdom to the kind of marketing that Nintendo have done for this console. And it kind of... If they dropped the Nintendo Switch, like, maybe a few months before the lockdown, it would have been an absolute hit. You know, they did bring out the Nintendo Lite, the Switch Lite, which did sell exceptionally well. There was new colours, there was pinks, there was yellows compliment Animal Crossing, you know, there's no surprise, I'm not afraid to admit it, that Animal Crossing is a lot more orientated to girls, doesn't mean that men can't play it, you know, I'm I'm dead manly, you know me, I'm manly ass, got a moustache, got a beard, the beard's gone, got just the moustache in a minute, and I play Animal Crossing and I really enjoy it, but it's no surprise that girls are more interested in that kind of game, you know, designing things, planting flowers, buying new outfits, visiting the friends' islands, that kind of thing. Whereas men are like, yeah, I'm going to shoot someone. Let me drop with 150 of my pals and let us, let us murder each other. And there's no surprise there. There's no surprise that the Nintendo Switch systems took a huge, huge increase in revenue. When Animal Crossing was released, 
during a global pandemic in which people were paid, paid by their governments or paid by their employers to stay at home. There's no surprise. I was talking with people online who were working full time and they would sit there with Animal Crossing on their desk while they were working and they just play it in between working. Man, everyone needs to be working from home, man. Video game industry would be booming. Apart from they probably couldn't get games released because there's loads of delays like we're currently seeing. There's loads of delays right now because of coronavirus. So games wouldn't be getting pumped out as fast because people would be working from home. But then more people would want to play games. Man, they don't complement each other well at all. Now, we did get a little bit off task there. We are talking about The Legend of Zelda game, the new one, Hyrule Warriors, The Age of Calamity Ganon. Now, with the Nintendo Switch, you can't go any further than that without mentioning the game Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild was an absolute cult phenomenon when it came out. It changed people's perspective of The Legend of Zelda again, and the Nintendo franchise, Nintendo Switch, became massive. I was talking to people in the gym, absolute big, beefy gym boys, and I was telling them, I've just got one of them new Nintendo Switches. They were like, I want to get one of those. I want to play that new Legend of Zelda game. It brought Legend of Zelda back to the mainstream. It was renowned as being one of the best games ever made. And you know what? I kind of do agree with a lot of it. The absolute scope of that game was phenomenal. The only issue with it was, for me, story was a little bit weak. It doesn't have very good replayability. People will tell you different, but I think the most and biggest aspect of that game is exploring that world for the first time. The moment when you come out of the temple at the start and just look over the entire entire kingdom of Hyrule and just knowing the kind of game you're about to play is fantastic. When you know what to expect, when you know about the big guardians, when you know about all the different elements in the game, it kind of takes that fun away. And for me, it doesn't have very good replayability. But now, imagine this. Nintendo have announced The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2, which would be the best thing to come to this console. Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity Ganon, for me, is the next best thing. It allows you to explore the world of Hyrule again with the characters that we got to know in the Breath of the Wild and add more depth to that story. I haven't finished up myself yet, but just interacting with the different champions and even being able to play as the champions is a fantastic experience. And it does kind of lend itself really well in facing some of the problems that I had with Breath of the Wild, which was a very poor story. You know, there was a story there, but it was always super loose because of the very nature of Breath of the Wild being this game where you can do anything in any order that you want. If you want, you can go straight away and defeat the main boss. That kind of game will never lend itself well to a story. The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild did that by allowing you to look back into memories and it talked about the past a lot. And you were kind of rediscovering the past as you went through the game. Now, this is the telling of that past. This is the telling of the champions, the champions of Hyrule, and how they came together, how they were recruited, and all that. It's a stunning game. And to be honest, the combat in the game is ridiculously fun. It is so much fun. Now, 
loads of games try and pull off like simple combos and that kind of thing. This takes it to another level. You're pulling off really easy combos by tapping buttons. You're smashing the buttons. You're throwing bombs. You're shooting arrows. And you're racking up huge combos. You know, you're killing 100 enemies. And it's popping up on your screen. You've killed 100 enemies. Then you're killing another 100. And 200's popping up. 300, 400. Next minute, you're hitting 1,000 kills. It is so, so satisfying to play. It is ridiculous. And it's super, super chill, man. You can sit back, chill out, and just have the best time smoking all the goblins, playing as Link, playing as the different champions, and it's so much fun. Now, not to get into, like, the spoiler territory, but I haven't finished this game, by the way, but this game does introduce something quite interesting into the Legend of Zelda franchise, which we could see in the future, and that is the introduction of time travel. Now, I ain't going to put it into massive into words of how this time travel is implemented, but it's implemented in quite a small way. But even the idea of putting time travel into the Legend of Zelda franchise and how it has been for years is super, super interesting. Legend of Zelda games have always had these weird continua continuality about them, whereas they are a part of the same franchise, but none of the games are really connected in any way. It's a different link every time it's a different ganon every time the triforce is always there they weirdly kind of play the same but they're not the same and if you have a look at the legend of zelda timeline online it's the most confusing thing ever and they probably shouldn't have ever done that but this could change that you know it could actually open the legend of zelda up for an opportunity for them to actually kind of fix what they've already done now, I don't know if you've ever seen the film X-Men Days of Future Past, but in that film, essentially what happens is Wolverine goes on a mission back in time and he essentially wipes every single crappy X-Men film out of the timeline. Could we see similar with Link? Could Link, you know, exploit this time travel in the next Zelda game and travel back in time and kind of find a way to slap all these different Zeldas that are scattered across time into one coherent story? Who knows? Only time will tell. But it's definitely interesting. Now, from what I've played The Legend of Zelda so far, it's a great fun game. It's a fun game that you're just going to want to sit down and just enjoy playing. It's not a game to sit there and sweat out and get unlock 100%, do X, Y, Z. You know, it's just a fun time. And I love fun games. I'm going to rate this game 7 out of 10. Pretty you know what, it's it's not amazing, it's good, got a few little niggles with it, but I enjoy it overall, and I think it's a great title to have on the Switch, I'm sticking with that answer, 7 out of 10. Now we're going to move into our next topic of the day, now it's something that people are kind of expecting from me to be a bit of a whitewash, you know, I've always not been said, I've always openly said I'm not the biggest fan of Sony, I much prefer Xbox and Nintendo. But, but, we're going to be looking at the best exclusive games, the best PS4 games. Now, last week we looked at the Xbox games, and a lot of them were third-party titles that were on both the Xbox and the PS4. If you take that into consideration, now today I'm only going to be looking at exclusive games that were on the PS4. And we're going to discuss whether I believe the PS4 or the Xbox One, this console war. The first game that I am going to discuss was the first game 
that I bought on my PlayStation 4, and that is God of War. Now, God of War was a an absolute massive title on the PS4. It's testosterone-fueled. You're playing as this, this god with big muscles. He runs around. It's a hack and slash. You're absolutely smashing stuff. It's such a great game. The combat in it is truly excellent. And it's kind of got that Dark Souls-style combat, which is ever becoming more popular in games now. And it is, it's a game that keeps you guessing. The combat is very, very different. Every battle feels different. Enemies move in different ways. You have to use different techniques. You know, it's not like your usual hack and slash where it's, you know, you sit there and you just mash the same combinations over and over. There's lots of upgrades. There's lots of abilities. It's brilliant. And one of these, this, the highlights of this game for me was you never actually see a loading screen in the entire game. From the moment you start the game, you're on a journey. A journey to get the ashes of your mother to the top of a mountain. Sounds real simple. Obviously, it doesn't quite end that simple. And because of that, this feeling of one continuous journey throughout the land is massive. And it's very, very different from the ordinary God of, the God of War games. We see Kratos, the main character, in a very, very different light. He's on a massive journey of self-discovery with his son. Now, he has a son, the son's mother. His wife is the one that's passed away. And they're on a journey to lay away the ashes. Now, the father in this, Kratos, learns an awful lot from his son. The connection between those two characters is a massive part of this game. And Kratos really does learn a lot from his son. And it's just a brilliant game. And at the same time, Kratos' son becomes... He kind of opens up from his shell. He starts off as this really timid character. And by the end, he is an absolute badass. Could we see another future title with the God of War characters in? Yes, we will be are. We already know that God of War... The next title, let's call it God of War 2, is coming out on the PS5. And for me, that'll probably be the point that I jump in on the PS5. Unless that game is available on the PS4 and is very playable on the PS4, that's another question. I will probably jump in on the PS5 when this game comes out. It's a massive game and it's so, so much fun. Now the next game that I'm going to talk about is another fantastic game on the PlayStation 4. And to be honest, I played this game in, I think it was 2018. And for me, it was the best game that I played that year. The best game. That is Hero, Hero? Horizon Zero Dawn. This game was absolutely blew me away. Now, I'm not sure if it's because I went in with absolutely zero expectations of this game. Basically, i seen it on Amazon. It was something like £12, and it had, like, PlayStation Platinum series on it. And it looked kind of interesting, and I thought... i just finished God of War on my PlayStation, and I thought, you know, why not? And so I bought it, and I was overwhelmed by this game. 
It was absolutely stunning. The graphics in it were unbelievable. Now, considering I was playing on the bog-standard PlayStation 4, I wasn't playing on any PlayStation 4 Pro or anything like that, this game looked ridiculous. The colours popped. The main character, Aloy, was this stunning red-haired ginger beauty. And she complemented the game so well. It was kind of set in this weird post-apocalyptic world in which these robot creatures were surveying the land. And it was a big story in these robot creatures, how they came around. And Aloy was connected to them in a very, very strange way. She found this device in a cave which allowed her to control the beasts and scan the beasts and do all this really, really interesting game mechanics. It was such a different game, a kind of game that I'd never played before. There was a lot of different tools, there was a lot of different weapons to utilise in the arsenal. And it was a game where you kind of started off with nothing. You started off with a bow and arrow, but you had the possibilities of buying new weapons, increasing your weapons. And as you play the game and you learn more about these machines, you kind of get way better at battling them. You know, it's not as simple as you get a bow and arrow, you shoot them a few times, Bob's your uncle, you've won it. No, it's more tactical. You know, the the monsters, the robots you're fighting have different parts. They have, like, explosive canisters on them. And if you utilise the right tools and the right gadgets, you can defeat these really tough enemies in an instant for me, the highlight of this game was there was a tool which had like a rope cannon and you'd shoot the monsters, you'd shoot the robots and they'd be like pinned to the floor. Then you could get your sword out, your melee weapon, run up and do some serious damage to them while they were incapacitated on the floor. And it was a lot of fun to explore, discover these different tools. Some of the tools as well were like trap items and you could set up traps for your opponents, lure them into a false sense of security. And then suddenly you spring on them with explosive rounds, bow and arrows, precision shots, knocking off different parts of armor to expose weak points for these different monsters. And you could only do this by investing time into the game, learning the monsters, battling them in different ways, which made it a very, very interesting game. I spent a lot of time, luckily at that time I was actually part employed, so I had a lot of time to play it. If I was a bit more restricted for time, like a lot of gamers are these days, I could see why people would struggle with this game. I did try to dive into it in a new game plus as well, and same as what we talked about before with Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, I did struggle to get into it a second time round. Now, again... I love exploring, I love discovery, I love learning new game mechanics and suddenly when you jump into a game that's so based on, you know, different exciting mechanics where you have to learn them and do them, suddenly once you learn all these mechanics you kind of become a little bit overpowered and I don't like that. I like that struggle, I like the ability to get better while playing the game and I think that's why I enjoyed Horizon Zero Dawn so much. But I just couldn't get into it. The world as well that they built. It's full of unique communities. Different robot species. And it's a great story. Which I thoroughly enjoyed. Now. For me. 
this is probably one of the best games on the PlayStation 4. And for me, it's very, very close to being one of the best games that I have ever played. It is Marvel's Spider-Man. Now, this was a PS4 seller, no doubt about it. The amount of people I've spoken to who own PS4s, and they've said the only reason that they bought the PS4 was to play this game, is ridiculous. It was such a big move from Sony. It's the reason I bought my PS4. Soon as I found out that the Marvel Spider-Man was a PS4 exclusive, I was like, i got to get my hands on a PS4. I just bought one secondhand, but still fine. Still got me to buy more games. I wouldn't have ever played God of War. I would have never played Horizon Zero Dawn if it wasn't for Marvel's Spider-Man making its home on the PlayStation 4. And... You know what, PlayStation probably could have swung me into getting a PS5 if I wasn't made aware of the fact that the new Spider-Man game, Miles Morales, was also available on the PS4, So, which is why I chose the Xbox Series X over the PS5, because I'm not going to buy an entire game console just for one game yet. If we ever see a full sequel, another Spider-Man, let's say Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man Miles Morales is kind of a little bit, from what I've seen, a bit more like a DLC of the original Spider-Man. The same game, gloss of paint, different story, different elements, but still very much a similar feeling game. Now, don't get me wrong, that sounds fantastic to me. Because for me, one of the biggest issues with the Marvel Spider-Man game, it was how small the game was. I think I completed the entire game in a weekend, and I nearly 100%ed everything which is crazy when you think about some of the other games on this list. You know, Horizon Zero Dawn, I played that for weeks. God of War, again, I played it for weeks. But even then, for me, this game was one of the best Spider-Man experiences. A lot of people did prefer the two web-swinging action from the PS2's Spider-Man 2, which had you essentially controlling Spider-Man's left hand with the left bumper button and the right hand with the right bumper button, depending on what console it was on, depending on the name of that button, whether it was L2, L1, R, L, etc, etc. We won't get into that. This game, it was all controlled through one button, which was, it was your right trigger, your right bumper. And you'd swing around the city with that. Now, this was done because Spider-Man then also had different moves. You could spring to lampposts. You could jump through tiny gaps. And this precision web shooting was controlled with your left trigger. So you'd use your left trigger to aim for the next part. Now, Spider-Man still could only swing to buildings, which was fantastic. You know, there's nothing worse than playing a Spider-Man game, shooting a web, and you literally shoot nothing in the sky and manage to swing. It creates that realism. Now, this game, for me, is the best interpretation that there has ever been of Spider-Man. You feel like Spider-Man when you're playing this game. You're fighting enemies and you're flying around. You're doing flips while you're fighting. You can shoot webs at the enemies. You can use a range of tools, a range of abilities that Spider-Man has. And the customization in this game as well. Spider-Man had so many different suits that you could choose. You could run around in the Avengers Endgame suit or the Avengers 
Spider-Man Homecoming suit. You could run around in classic Spider-Man outfits. You could run around in a Spider-Man outfit designed from the animated Spider-Man game. It was amazing. You could have so much fun with this game. And the story itself was very, very, you know, it was very super superhero comic book video game style, you know. And if you knew anything about Spider-Man, you knew exactly what was coming. When you were introduced to Dr. Octavius, you were like, oh, well, look, there's Doc Ock. Is he going to be Doc Ock in this game? Maybe not 100%, but, you know, the chances are if he's in the game, he's going to be Dr. Octavius at some point. Dr. Octopus, that is. Not Dr. Octavius, that's his actual name. Uh, And it kind of fell in line with those tropes. But, you know, it did keep you guessing throughout. You you didn't know if there was going to be surprises, that kind of thing. And for me, this game was very, very back-end focused. It seemed like there was a big, big build-up, constantly, constantly getting to this end point where Dr. Octavius did become Dr. Octopus and then take over New York and he released the Sinister Six and all this. And that part, for me, should have been the midpoint of the game. You know, then the Sinister Six have escaped. And instead of it being like a two mission, you defeat the Sinister Six in one mission, you defeat Dr. Octopus in the next mission, game done. They could have spread that part out a little bit more for my liking. But by from that, it is a truly fantastic game. And probably one of the best, if not the best, open world superhero video games that has ever came out. I'll let the DC and Marvel fanboys amongst you fight over which is better, the Arkham Knight franchise or this new Spider-Man franchise. And, you know, there's no surprise that the Marvel Spider-Man franchise learnt a lot of lessons from Arkham Asylum games, which was, before this game, considered the best adaptation of a superhero comic book in a video game format. But Spider-Man's a bit more fun, isn't he? He's got a few more powers, you know. Bruce Wayne, Batman, he's just an average Joe kind of guy, which kind of lends itself well to the Arkham games. But Spider-Man's all about fun. It's a lot more colourful, which lends itself well. Honestly, though, I can't get over the game length for this one. If it wasn't for that game length, if it wasn't for that crammed ending, for me, this would have been a 10 out of 10 game. But, 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 with that in mind, it is truly a fantastic addition to the PlayStation 4. Now, there's three other games that I am going to mention quickly in passing. Now, for myself, these aren't... Some of them aren't my cup of tea, but some of them are. I just haven't ever had a chance to play them. Now, PS4 has had some great other exclusive games. Ratchet & Clank is a series that I've always very, very much enjoyed on the PlayStation. Now, this for me as well is probably another reason I might pick up a PlayStation 5. The new Ratchet & Clank game looks like the best next-generation game on the market right now. It actually looks like it's got next-gen graphics. Whereas some of these other games kind of look like this current gen we're in, upscaled, being 4K. Where you can really tell with Ratchet & Clank that the new Ratchet & Clank game has been built for the next generation. The next game is the Uncharted franchise. Fantastic franchise. Personally, never played them myself. I've only ever heard good things. You know, at some point, I might pick them up on my PS5 or PS4. And it's probably worth a play. Days Gone. 
is another game that I've always really wanted to delve into. It's a zombie-style shooter. And again, zombies, shooters, that kind of thing. It looks really, really interesting. And then finally, another game on the PS5 and 4, which I wasn't a big fan of, but is crowned as being a crown jewel of the PS4. Now, it actually came out on the PS3, though, and that was The Last of Us. Now, I played The Last of Us Remaster, and I don't know, there was just something about that game that I couldn't get into. But it is well regarded. It's one of the most highly rated games on the PlayStation 4, even though it was a PlayStation 3 game. And The Last of Us 2 did recently come out, which again had mixed reviews. But we're not going to get into that in today's episode. But looking at this list of games in front of us, for myself, there is probably no doubt that what PlayStation have achieved this generation is way above what Xbox sought after to achieve. You look at the Xbox exclusive titles, Horizon, Halo, Gears of War, none of them really come close to these level of games. Those three games that I started off with, God of War, Horizon Zero Dawn, and Spider-Man, are three of the best games that I have ever played. And they are exclusive to PlayStation 4. You cannot play them on any other console apart from PlayStation 5. You can't play them on an Xbox. You will never be able to play them on an Xbox. You sure as hell ain't going to ever play them on a Nintendo console. You've got no chance there. And for me, that probably takes the cake in terms of this generation's console war. You know, I am very much looking forward to seeing where the future console war is going. It's looking very different this year. But for me, this generation has been about the biggest and best games. And the biggest and best games have been available on the PlayStation 4. It's with heavy heart that I admit now, PlayStation 4 has defeated the Xbox One in being the best console of the era 2014 to 2020. Who knows what the future is going to hold? You know, the last six years have been a roller coaster ride with the Xbox One, the PlayStation 4, and it has been great to see two big companies competing with each other. And if it wasn't for competition, then the game companies wouldn't be constantly trying to better themselves. There's no doubt about that. And I am very, very, very much looking forward to seeing this next generation. Can Xbox secure console exclusives? Can they continue to take the Game Pass into the direction of the future of gaming? But then I'm also excited to see what PlayStation are going to throw at us. You know, they've already thrown some pretty big hitters out there for the PS5. They've already dropped Spider-Man Miles Morales, which is available on the PlayStation 4. They're dropping a Ratchet and Clank game. They're dropping a God of War game. They're dropping a Horizon game, Horizon Zero Dawn 2. It's going to be an insane start to the lifespan of the PS5. For me, though, exclusive games aren't the forefront of this generation of console. We don't know what this console's war is going to be about you know going into the xbox one and the playstation 4 console war lots of people started off with the playstation with the xbox one then they moved to the ps4 at a later date i think we could see very similar things happening this time but 
is very, very exciting, and I'm looking forward to seeing the console war this year. But unfortunately, that is all we've got time for today. Now, thank you all for coming and listening to the rambles of a madman. We've not, again, it's been more in-depth discussion. Let me know if you like these more in-depth discussions today. It's been all about the PS4. We've talked about Nintendo. We've talked about Hyrule Warriors. And, of course, we talked a little bit about Bram Pickle. Which reminds me, man, I've got two in-house residential DJs now that are joining me, helping me create music for my Twitch stream, creating music for my YouTube. And this is an exciting part. This is very, very exciting move for Bram Pickle. And hopefully, hopefully, I can continue to add small artists to my arsenal and become well-known to being a guy who's willing to give small artists a platform to grow. But as always, guys, this has been your host, Brian Pickle. You can find me over on Twitch on a Monday, a Wednesday, a Friday, and a Sunday. Sunday being the Pickle Open Tournament on Twitch. You can find me over on my YouTube channel at Brian Pickle. Bram Pickle's Kitchen coming up this week. If you are watching this podcast on YouTube, I thank you so much for tuning into the channel. Remember to subscribe. I love making content. And like I said at the start, I'm going to be changing my content a lot the next coming weeks. And I want you all to be there for that. You can find me over on Instagram at Bram Pickle. You can find me on Facebook, Brandon Pickle Entertainment. And of course, like I said at the start, TikTok is my next big thing i want my youtube and my tiktok to grow like my twitch has been growing like the podcast has been growing come and find me on there for even more exclusive brand pickle content baby you know i'm always here for you guys thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for taking the time to support a boy in his dreams of maybe one day entertaining the masses on the largest scale. But as always, get your pickles out. Jadon's a bum. And I'll see you in the next one. Lots of love. Pickle out.